Hey everybody, this is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and of course, the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the Disney animated series DuckTales. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. New DuckTales we're doing today. Oh, really? DuckTales 2017. Well, I just don't want people to think we are reviewing a uh, 32-year-old cartoon series. This is the <laughs> this is the hot new DuckTales season finale this week. I'm excited for it. But first, how was your Mother's Day? Oh, it was really, well, Mother's Day actually was very quiet. Uh, there was nothing going on. But Saturday, we went to your brother's in Maine, mm. and your well, your other brother, Merrick, joined us there with yep. his girlfriend, and Matt cooked on the grill. Well, not lobsters on the grill, but he had lobsters and steak tips and baked potatoes and corn on the grill, which I've never had before. It's quite tasty. Yes, it is. And they have two kitties that are that are a little friendlier than when I met them last time. So they're cute. And we just had a good time, just lots of laughs and good times. Well, happy Mother's Day. You were missed, though, as was Jenna. Yeah, I was in uh, Oklahoma for uh, Mother's Day. Um, so I spent Mother's Day with my mother-in-law at Al. And uh, we had a very nice time. The kids were well-behaved. They were good flyers. I'm quite proud of them. Well, I, I'm putting in a bid for Mother's Day here next year. Oh, okay. A little thing happened in Oklahoma that I wanted to run by you because something similar has happened with you in the past. I mm. get there, and Anna's dad has made an apple pie, as is his want. And he makes a famous apple pie. People love it. I'm not a yep. huge apple pie guy, and he um, cuts the apples real thin. So it's not like apple chunks in it. It's apple slices. It just gets too dense for me. So they know that it's not my favorite, even though I like it fine. It's not my favorite. So this time I get there, and they have, in addition to the pie, they have baked a, like, Duncan Hines strawberry cake with strawberry oh. frosting. And Ooh. Gretchen, my mother-in-law, says to me, and here's the strawberry cake for you, John, in an intonation that indicates... Here's your favorite. And I just looked at Anna like, what the hell? Because, I mean, it's fine, I guess. First of all, the strawberry cake with the strawberry icing is too much. When you put that in your mouth, you feel like you're in the chemical lab where they concoct this fake strawberry flavor, right? It's just... Yes, it is a lot. But either one is quite... Fabulous. Either one can be yeah, nice. I like a strawberry cake with like white frosting. Right? I like it with chocolate frosting. Yep, that could be good too. But in any case, a strawberry on strawberry, and I just I said, oh, you know, thank you. I kind of befuddled, yeah. and Anna just was like, you must have said you liked it once, and now yeah. you're saddled with that forever. And these things do happen, right? Especially with yeah, eager yeah. to please parents and in laws, because um, you for years have been sending and you know when you send your christmas treat package or something for anna's birthday you always include a bunch of dark chocolate cuz i think once anna made a remark about how she likes dark chocolate and she can when she has it around i won't eat it cuz i don't like it um right. and so you always just load her up with dark chocolate which she doesn't really like that much well i'm glad to finally hear that because but every time I've uh, seen uh, her eat chocolate, it's yeah. dark chocolate. Well, because that's all you give her. Well, I mean, when I get to the house, she was eating a Tony Chocolonely one time that was, I think, dark chocolate. No, that wasn't dark chocolate. See, this is, and you say you're glad to finally hear this, but you've been told a number of times by I now. I have never been you, told. You have. You have. No, I haven't. <laughs> you know I haven't because I'm very good at sending the thing that people like. Do I not always send you Reese's peanut butter cups? Yes, you do, which I love. I rest my case. Okay, fair enough. 
Fair enough. You've got me with the peanut butter cups. That's all I need. I only needed one piece of evidence, Judge. <laughs> no, I didn't know because I thought Anna even said she liked dark chocolate. Well, this is the thing. I'm sure once she she did or something to that effect. But and I get it because you hear something like that and it's just locked in. I can be the person who fulfills that need. You look at her and you say, her idiot husband isn't going to take care of her on this front. This is a, a void that I can fill. And so you do it with great relish, right? I do. What do you do with all that dark chocolate that I send? Well, you throw it in the trash. Oh, Johnny. That's terrible. No, no. She eats it. Just slowly and not with much joy. No, yeah, not with much joy is right. Yeah, well, you know, it's healthy. You know, she eats really healthy, and uh, so that's all the chocolate she should eat. But I will uh, make note in my book of everything that I try to remember about everyone that Anna hates dark chocolate. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Well, the other thing is that as the recipient, like when I saw the strawberry cake, I wasn't terribly excited to eat it, but I was genuinely appreciative of the fact that, geez, they went, they made a separate dessert for me. Yeah. I I mean, I don't deserve that. Good Lord. I could have eaten the, just shut up and eaten the apple pie like everybody else. So every night I was there. I felt like I had to have a piece of the strawberry cake because the other thing is nobody else was eating it. Gretchen had a piece, but nobody else was eating the strawberry cake. Everybody else was eating the delicious, not out of a box, lovingly made apple pie. And I I was just eating the supermarket cake made from dust. (laughs) But it was made with love and that's what made it taste good. That's right. It was it was thoughtfully made. I don't know if it made it taste good, but um, it certainly was made with love. Well, it was thoughtfully made. So that, that that's a plus. That's a yeah, plus. Yeah. It makes you feel special. Not like Mother's Day that never happens at your house. But we move on. Okay. Maybe next year. Mother's Day 2020. Put it in the I'm books. I'm putting in my reservation early. Okay. Well, put it in pencil. <laughs> <laughs> it's... <laughs> You know, Mom, it's a it's a beautiful spring day here in Chicago as we record this. It's 75 degrees uh, here. I don't know what it's like there. Um, they say that there are two seasons in Chicago, winter and construction season, because oh. as, as soon as spring breaks, the construction is just everywhere. As you know, they've been doing a lot of work on my block, and we finally have a sidewalk back. It's not a gravel wasteland anymore. Oh, nice. And I know that in New Hampshire, spring usually brings mud season. Mud What's season. it like there right now? Well, we are enjoying the black fly season. Okay. Yes, it follows right on from mud season. From the mud, mud emerge the black flies. Now, I feel like much of the country may not know what black flies are. Well, I don't really know what they are either. Yeah. But they are teeny tiny little flies that as soon as you go out your front door, they immediately search out your eyes, the inside of your nose, the inside of your ears, your hair, and they are the most annoying little things. I mean, even a mosquito, you can slap that down and, you know, squish it. But these things are minute and annoying. Yeah, you can't really squish them. No, you can't. You can't hit them. And even if you do, you just get one. Right, but you will come in and be bloody from where they've bitten you and flown off. You can come in and you know look like you've been in a car accident. Practically, they seem too tiny to even bite. But they—it's not like a mosquito bite. It doesn't really end up itching too much, uh, like a mosquito bite does, right? Right. But they do. It can bite be itchy, them. but not like a mosquito bite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the cloud effect that you're right. Yes. Mosquitoes will usually attack you solo, too, if you're especially unlucky. But that's it. But black flies, right. it's just like a it's like a bad dream all of a sudden. That's right. 
and there's all kinds of theories, you know, like they they swarm to the highest spot. So if you raise your hand over your head while you're out for a beautiful walk, uh, that they'll just go up to your hands. Well, that's not true. But there's and then the other thing was that if you wear skin so soft from Avon, that that repels them. And nope. then you have to go through the whole rest of the day smelling, smelling. like a bath yeah. and feeling like an oil slick. So you just endure them. They sell um, netting, netting hats and netting shirts and things like that that are supposed to prevent them from getting close to your body. Then they just get under the net and you can't get rid of them. Right. Then they're in with you. <laughs> yeah. They're horrible. That goes from Mother's Day to Father's Day. And then summer can start. That skin so soft, that was as much a scourge as the black flies themselves in childhood. Because yeah. we used to slather Definitely. that on. A, it doesn't do anything. And B, you're right, you just feel oily and smell like perfume all day. Ugh. Yeah. And, and it inevitably gets in your mouth for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess you, you, know, you have it on your hands and you rub it across your face and ugh, that's it. Everything tastes like that for the rest of the day. That was a brilliant scam by the Avon people to plant that oh. rumor in the culture that that Skin So Soft did anything. How many thousands and thousands of bottles of that crap have they sold Right. thanks to this myth? You know, and whoever came up with it, what a genius they were. Yeah. <laughs> well, those citronella candles are BS, too. Is that right? Yeah. They don't really do anything. We don't sit out at night, so. But you know what I did here that that sunscreen now can get in your bloodstream? Have you read that? Ah, jeez. No, I don't need to know that. Well, uh, maybe you do. Well, at least my uh, arteries won't get sunburned. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's all I heard. That's all I heard on the news. I just, I thought I just had reached my limit for the day of horrible things to... Well, Let's yeah, but you were ready to pass that one along to me. Well, you know, you have children, so you might want to investigate and see what products <sighs> they're specifically uh, warning you against. Fine. God, if it's not one thing, it's the other, getting into these kids' bloodstream. I know. In my day, man, it was lead paint. If you weren't eating lead paint, uh, you were pretty good. <laughs> yeah, now it's everything. <laughs> now it's everything. Um, I have in my notes to ask you about another sign of spring, fiddleheads. What's this about fiddleheads? Fiddleheads. Well, on the Kearsarge area online yard sale, apparently people have been advertising fiddleheads. Now, this is a very, very short season before these fiddlehead ferns unfurl <laughs> and, you know, are, are by the roadsides. But until then... They're wound up tight, mm -hmm. like, mm, I don't even know how to describe them. They look like, they look like discs. Well, they're like, plants, first of all, right? We should establish that. Yeah. yeah. And they're ferns uh, um, when they unfurl from themselves. But before that, they're hard and very green. They're like a cinnamon bun, basically, right? Yeah, they look like a mini cinnamon bun. Yeah. That's green. And you just steam them, I think, and eat them with a little salt and butter or whatever. I think that's all there is to them. I've never had one. Because uh, uh, when I see them all unfurled, I think, oh, my God, I'm eating that whole thing like a rabbit. I don't know. The whole idea just freaks me out. But anyway, it's a, it's a thing that mostly children uh, take part in gathering and then selling, as we do up here on your front lawn, you know, mm -hmm. maybe you have a little stand and mm -hmm. an honor box and whatnot. Well, somebody's been stealing the fiddleheads oh. and not paying for them Oh, from children. Well, I don't like to hear that. Yeah. But they found the picture of somebody that was doing it and they put it on, on the area oh. online sale and it's been quite a scandal. Oh, this sounds like a pop mom investigation. Remember the Mr. <laughs> Potato Head case? 
I don't think it's it's getting a little sticky now because the people who were stolen from said the woman came back and paid. And then the next day it said that that didn't actually happen, that the people that were stolen from just said that because they didn't want all the attention. Yeah, well, I mean, well, the Wilmot, New Hampshire media echo chamber can get quite cacophonous. <laughs> so I can understand how you'd want to shy away from that spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, keep me posted. You know, we specialize in, we did Mr. <laughs> Potato Head and now it's Fiddleheads. That's our, <laughs> lost your head? Call mom and John. Pop mom investigations. We'll find your head or at least we'll laugh at you. <laughs> we'll mostly just laugh at you. But I'm sorry. maybe that'll make oh you feel God, better. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> Poor Fiddlehead eaters. <sighs> Yeah, think of the fiddlehead eaters. Although it sounds like one fiddlehead eater is having a great spring. Yeah, apparently. Just riding around, picking up bags of fiddleheads. Without taking a hit to the pocketbook. Now that's thrifty. And you know what? Fiddleheads uh, ward off black flies, too. That is a fact. (laughs) Just rub them all over your face and skin and no more black flies. You're choking me. Uh, should we move on to our review? Yeah, let me cough again first. Okay. <clears throat> this is a blast from the past for us. DuckTales this week. DuckTales is the late 80s cable series that revived the classic comic book world of billionaire adventurer Scrooge McDuck and his nephews. In 2017, the material got a fresh look with the DuckTales reboot, which concludes its second season this week. Donald, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are still here, as are all the other supporting cast, but there are new duck-billed faces too, most notably Della Duck, Donald's long-lost twin sister and the mother of the triplets, who finally manages to reunite with her kids as this season draws to a close. Here's a clip. I missed you, girl. The Cloud Slayer flies again! Cloud Slayer? That is way better than the Sun Chaser. Woo! Why would Huey Louie want to miss this? I think I may have some idea. They're lost. Dewey and Della Duck on their first high-flying adventure! Not adventure. Business venture. We are headed to Borway, home of the Von Drake Doomsday Vault. A sterile seed depository. DuckTales airs frequently on Disney's cable channels, and you can watch on the Disney Now streaming app. Mom, were these tales of Daring Do bad or good luck tales? Uh, I think they were really bad. Oh, really? Oh, really, really bad. Wow. So many questions. Before you get into the questions... Go ahead. I always like it when you just paint the picture as you see it, synopsize the series as you see it. We watched, we have not watched all of it up to now. We watched uh, three episodes uh, that aired late in the season. Tell me what you saw. I didn't know who it was addressed to. That was very confusing to me. It's a, it was disjointed. It was like they picked stories, threw them in a bag, and drew out one randomly and then hooked it to another one randomly. I don't like how it's drawn and none of it made any sense to me. It wasn't, it's certainly not for children because no, the language is far too sophisticated for that. Hmm. And a lot of the scenarios are not really appropriate for children. So, Then I say, all right, now look at it as an adult. And it was just nonsense. Very little cohesion. I didn't really like it. Well, we did pick up in the middle of the story. This version of the show is serialized more so than the original, which every episode was self-contained. They go out, they have an adventure, they have great success, and that's it. The end. Every week, right? And so this is a story that... You know, maybe they have an adventure of the week, but they've stretched out a, a story over the course of many episodes. Uh, 
Again, in particular, the story of Della Duck and her efforts to get back to her kids, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. But even, I have to imagine you took that into account, even taking that into account, you found it disjointed. And I'm not saying you I did. Yeah, okay. I did find it disjointed. And, you know, where has she been? You know, it reminded me of them trying to be something else, you know, more Star Wars-y or whatever. Mm. I kind of like Donald in the hammock and fighting with the chipmunks. And I realize that's Donald Duck, but. <laughs> fighting just, with Chip and Dale, you mean? The, yeah. Yeah. That cl- <laughs> that's a classic short you're referencing, right? When he's yes. out camping. Yeah. I love that one. This, this doesn't have any charm to it. Hmm. What are your questions but, for me? Who was this written for? Who was this aimed at? Well, I think it's aimed more at kids than you give it credit for. Yes, there is some sophisticated vocabulary, but I think it's written so that the, you know, it's that classic effort to bring in the parents who watched the original and have them enjoying it alongside their their kids. Nobody enjoyed this. Nobody enjoyed this at all. <laughs> there, there are moments where there's wordplay or pop culture references that I think, wow, nobody, nobody in grade school is catching any of this. But I think that's fine for it to be pitched at multiple generations at once. I do think people are enjoying this. I'm, I enjoyed it. We had to start our uh, podcast a little late, in fact, because I couldn't stop watching them. Really? Yeah. I think Huey, Dewey, and Louie look creepy, and I'm very confused. The great-grandfather and the grandfather speak Scottish. Donald Duck speaks Duck. His nephews speak English. Uh, I just don't know what's going on here. They're all speaking English. Yes. I mean, I understand everything they're saying, but you understand what I'm saying. Well, but that was true of the original DuckTales as well. I just, I tried to find some continuity through all this. I couldn't find any. I mean, really, you're telling me for 10 years, Della has been stuck on the moon. Yep. I've never even heard of her. And now Dewey, Dewey and Louie are all... Their their mother is back, and well, if the mother is back, then where's the husband? Well, who is the husband? You know, I just if you're gonna give this to me as an adult, then I need a little more. Well, me. Well, maybe in season three they'll hunt for the father. I kind of doubt that, though. I mean, the reason they were all nephews in the first place is so that Disney never had to even acknowledge this problem of, like, where right. is the rest of the family? They don't want you to think about Donald Duck having sex. That is the root of all this. <laughs> and neither do I, really. Right. Nobody does. So Huey, Dewey, and Louie were nephews. Um, and now here's Della Duck. Now, I, I think my favorite episode of The Handful that we watched was an episode in which um, Della is still in the moon, on the moon and she's having these uh, interactions with a grumpy uh, moon warrior who's her roommate and doesn't like her very much. Right. I, liked the, I liked the moon warrior and her sort of arc. And on the same episode, this is the part I really loved, is uh, Donald, speaking of a hammock, just trying to relax in his hammock the show gets a little meta in the handful that we've watched because everybody seems to be taking stock of what their life is as adventurers. And like Donald is tired of having these adventures all the time, even though that's their reason for being in the series. He's stressed. He's molting, losing feathers because he's so stressed out. He just wants to relax and stop having grand adventures for a while. And they just can't stop. He's the Kelsey Grammer of, of Duckburg. <laughs> That's, that's, well, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it sort of means two things to me. It means, this, and this is what it put me in mind of, but at this point, when I see Kelsey Grammer come on, 
you know, these talk shows that you that you see on in the afternoon, it's like, uh, Kelsey, oh, now you're on your sixth marriage or something like that, and you know, you're not on TV anymore. You're sort of a joke at this point to me, and Aww. here you are. Here you are showing up. You know, didn't your agent tell you cut cut your losses and stay home? And it also reminds me of the episode where he's going to go on public radio, or public television, and he's not going to sing. Oh, buttons and one of the best Frasier episodes ever. Oh. He's going to change it up, you know. He's going to he's going he's going to sing something different because he doesn't want to do the same old thing. Turns out that that's what everybody wants, and that's my point. In that, I would. You know, Donald Duck is peripheral, I think, in Duck Tales. Yeah, he so is. So let's let him be Donald Duck, you know? But he is. Well, but it, now he's like, what, on a spaceship or something? And Well, in the last episode we saw, yeah, he's stranded on the moon. Which is only going to be a disaster, so, well, you know... Yeah. I need a, I would like a comfort spot. I would like to see Donald Duck. You just want a whole episode of Donald relaxing in the hammock. Or just a little glimpse, if that if that's going to be the funny part, then let me just see something a little funny, and then we'll go back to the adventures. Yeah. I also have a problem, if I may, with the jingle the that says, you know, might solve a mystery. Okay, I like that. Or rewrite history. I can't deal with that. Well, this, these have been the lyrics for some 30 years now. I know, but I could understand them finally now. <laughs> That's right. They are easier to understand. I really love the new rendition of the theme song and the title sequence with all the motion and the they're going in and out of the comic book pages. Oh, I love it. I think Very it's great. Good. Yeah. Very nice. Life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, airplanes. It's a Duckburg. Might solve the mystery. Hurry, right? Every day. I also like it at the ending with no words. I think it's yeah. very, very well done at the end, also. So you're a star. You're a star. I'm a star? This. I mean, you love this. Oh, I don't know if I love it, but I, I liked it. Look, often with these reboots or reinventions, I find it interesting that you bring up the Buttons and Bows episode of Frasier, which really is one of the great sitcom episodes of, of all time. Um, just a, a beautifully written and wonderfully architected uh, episode of comedy. In the episode, Frazier has sung Buttons and Bows at this uh, public TV telethon for years running, and everybody just expects him to show up and do that. And for whatever reason, this year he gets his dander up and he decides he's going to sing this rather difficult operatic aria. And at the same time, he challenges and kind of bullies everyone around him to um, challenge themselves and to take on something new and not just settle for the old routine, which in various um, funny permutations ends up in disaster for everyone. I won't ruin the climax of it in case you want to watch it, but um, Frazier has a rather disastrous change of heart at the end himself, and it's just one of the great payoffs. I just It makes me laugh just to think about it. Just to think about it, yeah. It's an episode about not doing the same thing you've always been doing and finding some personal growth, right? Uh, right? And as it applies to DuckTales, I'm not looking for this new DuckTales to go through the motions of the old one because the old one still exists. You know, we can find it if we yeah. want to watch it. We saw it originally. Do something new. And I like the new things that they decided to do. I like, I'm with you, the art style... I go back and forth on it. I do think the ducks are a bit angular. Um, yeah. They're not quite as cute as they used to be. Right. 
I'm not, I don't love the sort of sketchy and coloring outside the lines look, but it's it's fine. It's fine. The motion is really good, I'll say. I do like that part of it. But it's serialized. It's not self-contained. It has an, uh, longer story arcs. I like that a lot. I like that it comments on itself, as we saw in these episodes, just a little bit. Uh, I like that there's an A plot and a B. I just like the structural changes that they made. It was a different take on DuckTales. And it's a show that now can accommodate sort of investigating the dynamics of this cobbled together family. There's more of an internal narrative uh, to this duck clan uh, than there used to be. I really appreciated Donald dealing with stress and the humor that came out of that. Um, I liked the episode where the the nephews have to deal with the reappearance of their mom and the, I thought, strikingly authentic, uh, varied reactions they all had to that. I think the writing is pretty sophisticated. I thought it was fun. They pepper the jokes out. I could have used a little more humor, maybe. but. I just felt like most of the choices they made and the changes they made to update it worked for me and made it feel fresh again. I I thought it was depressing. Mm. Why is that? I don't like the drawing. I think it's cold um, mm. and and uninviting. And I just I wondered if it was drawn by someone that didn't quite get who they were. I think the drawing leaves out a lot of their personalities. That may be my biggest problem. I have to get to know them, to know their personalities, where before I felt like I could look at them and sort of understand them. They were more familiar. Now I don't know who they are, and I don't, you know, Della, she's she's quite bombastic, and I'm having a little trouble with her in that she wants to be their mother, but she's also sort of trying to be their friend, and that I'm trying not to read too much into it. And I, I just feel very confused by it. I didn't love Della. And maybe if we had seen more episodes leading up to this, we would have a better grasp on it. I'm not sure. But well, she just came back. I mean, we watched three episodes and one of them, she came home from the moon. So, yeah, well, she's just reappeared to the family. Yeah, but right. I, I imagine we've, we'd seen her because we started, you and I started in the middle of, the, of her right. story. Right. So we'd seen her already. But um, she is, she's very energetic. I feel like they still haven't quite nailed her down. Um, or maybe she's just not that interesting. That could also be it, too. Or, or let me ask you this. You know, mm. is she our token woman? Well... I don't think it's tokenism because she does have such a fleshed out story. And like I said, I think that they get some pretty rich moments out of her trying to reconnect with um, her three sons who have never really met her. So but I do think there was an effort to incorporate more of a female presence in this edition of the cartoon, because you look back and you realize, like, who were the women in the in the old one? There was Mrs. Beakley who has been, uh, her role at least, has been bulked up for this edition. Yeah. Um, She's not just the nanny anymore. And there was Webby, sort of the little sister. Yeah. And clearly they took a look at that and decided, quite rightly, that is not enough for the 2010s. So Webby is more self-sufficient. Mrs. Beakley has become a badass. And yes, now we have the addition of Della. So it's a little more balanced. But I don't think it's just tokenism, because I do think Della, while she may not be as fully developed as you and I would like, she's developed. She's a full-bodied character, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Part of what gets confusing in that are we to look at them as they've aged a little bit and they've changed and accept that, or or are we right to be a little disturbed by the changes? (laughs) It's very difficult, I think. Well, it always is when you see a reinvention of something that is close to your heart. Of course, as you watch it, it's going to be startling and a little disorienting to see all those changes in play, especially picking up, as we have, in the middle of the action. Yeah, yeah. But I still think our, our analysis is fair, no matter what went on before. No, of course it is, especially because, as we've talked about, they're writing it. For people like you and me, 
grownups who watched the original, especially me, I was a kid when the original was on. Now I have kids. Like, it's targeted at me as well as at the kids. Would you let your kids watch this? Not. It's too, um, it's too bombastic and, you know, quick for, for kids as young as mine. But when they were older, I would let them watch it. Sure. How old do you think they would be? I think I would let my six-year-old son watch this. Do you think he would get it? I don't know. And who did you have this six-year-old son with? Because I would like to meet him. (laughs) Well, in three years, you'll get to meet him. (laughs) Six. All right. That's interesting. I was thinking more like 10. Maybe that's more appropriate. But then I wondered, would they be interested? You know, children have so much at their fingertips now. And I think, all right, you came home from school, you did your homework. Now, do you want to play a video game or do you want to watch DuckTales? And that, and that is another thing is I think, okay, I think this is appropriate for a 10-year-old, but would a 10-year-old be interested? Well, it depends on the 10-year-old. I mean, I, I don't think the Disney franchise is worrying too much about these things, but these are thoughts that run through my mind. No, I think Disney's doing pretty well for for itself. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not losing any sleep for yeah. them. <laughs> you know. You know. I was going to tell you that you know back in the day when I you know when I was a kid, cartoon shows were you know part of my childhood. Where they they aren't now. They were cartoon shows that were hosted by the likes of Sally Starr, who who was dressed up like a cowgirl in a in a green and white sequined cowgirl outfit and white boots, and she hosted the cartoons in the evening with along with the Three Stooges. And we really Weber was in the morning, and Chief Halftown was on in the afternoon, and you know. They there weren't these big shows like this. They were just mm-hmm. cartoons, and the Three Stooges usually, and Clutch Cargo on Sally Star. There was more of an innocence about it. Yeah. These these Des- seem more describe serious. Clutch Cargo just briefly. Describe Clutch Cargo <laughs> for the listeners who might not be familiar Clutch with Cargo this. Clutch Cargo is a very stiffly drawn. Um, he he solved crimes or mysteries or something in the in yeah. the jungle but his his character is just this mouth that moves like a real mouth like it's cut out and they've somehow um put into place real lips that move so he's right. very so bizarre. you're just seeing an actual person's mouth move yes. uh, within an animated or really not animated face but a drawn face um <laughs> You know, I think people in my generation are most familiar with this uh, from Conan, who on his NBC show used to regularly uh, do the clutch cargo routine um, with like Arnold Schwarzenegger or George uh-huh. Bush. They would like they would phone in or they'd be brought in via satellite on a TV screen. A TV screen would come down <laughs> and it would be uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but Robert Smigel's mouth. Doing oh, the talking that's and interacting with Conan. Yeah. That was a sidetrack, but I just wanted to highlight, you know, great moments in TV history. What an innovative, how cheap was it to make an episode of Clutch Cargo? <laughs> but you're saying that these, you know, you're harking back to an era when cartoons were, were shorts um, contained in these sort of kiddie variety shows. There weren't a yeah. lot of, there wasn't going to be a half hour of one cartoon. Correct, right. Except what about like the Hanna-Barbera stuff? Was any of that around when you were little? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quick Draw McGraw and Bubba Louie and Snagglepuss. Yeah. But Hanna-Barbera's, their way of drawing was, and I know there's some some number, um, you know, like Bugs Bunny was a smooth because it was how many frames a minute. and right. Right. Yogi, Yogi Bear and Hanna-Barbera cut out a lot of frames. That's right. It's um, it's like animating on the, it's called animating on the twos or on the threes or on the whatever, but like every third frame is animated or every second, what, what, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And, Mom, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but um, 
you know, sometimes maybe if someone would be driving down the road, I hate to even say this to spoil the illusion for people, but they would reuse the same background over and over again. Oh, Johnny, don't yeah. say that. If you look closely, you can see the same mountain go by a couple hundred times. Uh, I just feel like I've shattered the world for people, but it is true. I'm going to have to go to bed now. <laughs> you know, cartoons were very soothing. They were, they were. you knew what to expect. And mm. and I guess the stuff that, that uh, children watch today it is more frenetic to me. It's I know that sounds ridiculous when I can say that I used to watch the Roadrunner and the Coyote, but this seems so complex and so complicated that it's hard to just take it in and relax. So what's your grade for DuckTales, Mom? I'm going to give it a D. Oh, I was afraid of that. D for Duck. All right. You got a recommendation for us this week, Mom? Oh, do I? Mm. I have a really good recommendation this week. This is old, and I forgot to write down the year, but I think I told you. 2017. It's, 2017. It's not that, that old. Yeah. Too Funny to Fail. Dana Carvey's uh, show with, uh, written with a bunch of then-unknowns, um, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Robert Smigel, uh, I think Louis C.K. was even in there briefly. Um not briefly. And it just, it was a show, uh, a variety show that they, all these brilliant minds came together and made a stuff that was very indulgent and I guess funny to some people, but not to most people and was off the air lickety split. They, <laughs> they thought they had it made in the shade because they came on after Home Improvement, which was a huge hit. But none of them had ever seen the show. And when they got canceled, they finally looked at it and said, oh, yeah, this audience is not interested in what we're doing. And they were very swiftly shown the door. So this is a documentary that tells the story of that show, The Danny Carvey Show. You may remember it. What I remember it for is the uh, highly controversial Bill Clinton breastfeeding sketch. The yeah. die was cast after that. They just could not recover from that uh, disaster. The culture was not having it. No, and when you see the clip of it in the in the thing, it's pretty repulsive even today. You know, because they've got boils on him, and it's just it's hideous. It's really, really, really hideous. And we did not talk about our president quite like that then. I don't think. Mm. Uh, but a lot of people thought the show was quite funny, and there's interviews from different people, um, and certainly interviews with uh, <laughs> all these writers who we know so well now. Uh, yeah. And their take on it, it's quite amusing. It's its really a good hour or so of just enjoyment of some very funny people. But my biggest surprise was Robert Smigel. Is that how you say it? Yep, yep. And... I didn't know he was. What is what is that guy's name? The dog's name? Triumph, the insult comic Triumph, dog. Who I am just in love with. You know, I just think he's the bomb. And uh, I didn't know that. So, so these are all quite brilliant minds. Yes, um, <clears throat> Robert Smigel has come up a couple times on today's podcast. As it happens, that's right. That's right. He's a very funny fellow. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't if you put him in a lineup, I really wouldn't know what he looked like. No, he's, um, no. But if you, you might be able to identify his hand, especially if it were stuck up a puppet dog's ass. Yes, he had a dog on his hand. I'd sure know who he was. But he used to write for Saturday Night Live too, right? Yes. In particular, the Saturday TV Funhouse, the animated shorts. Yes. Were his bailiwick. That's too funny to fail. Uh, that is streaming on Hulu. So if you have a Hulu subscription, fire that up. If not, just use Johnny's like I did for a couple of years. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you don't have a subscription, just use mine. That's mom's way to do it. That's right. 
Now it's time for the listener feedback corner. We wait until the end of the show to do this so that only the true fans are listening. Um, and mom, you contacted me with some alarm after visiting our page on the Apple Podcasts site, which don't do that. But Yeah, well, I didn't have anything to watch on TV, so. What happened? Well, I, I went on and somebody said, somebody made the comment that they couldn't get past the opening music, which yeah. lasts for all of what? Six seconds, five seconds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's, then it said, sorry, baby. And I saw yes, it. I'm looking. It's not just a comment. It is a one star review on the podcast. Uh, it says, sorry, could not get past the opening music too corny. Sorry, baby. And I, it took them longer to write that than it did for them to listen to the funny music at the beginning. I just, this kind of thing confounds me. I don't, I don't understand who would take the time to say something. It's not even a, it's not even a review. It's a review of some canned music. Well, it's a person who was mildly irritated by the music. And let me tell the, the, there's a, amazing background story behind this music. I was starting the podcast back up and I didn't feel like finding uh, special music. So I basically just bought the first piece of reasonable sounding. It sounds kind of like the music for the old podcast, which is what I was looking for. Um, but I spent all of two minutes trying to find <laughs> this music. And then I paid 20 bucks for the rights to, to use it as the theme song. And I was done. And I have to tell you, I've gotten a lot of compliments on it. People really like the uh, the music. I I always like that's great. I really didn't give it very much thought. Um, much I have gotten a couple compliments on the logo for the show, which was like five seconds in Photoshop. All of this was just like me trying to shake myself out of a depression and just one day saying I got to get back on the podcast and we're just we're just doing it. So the whole thing was thrown together and I find it funny when people comment on these production elements that I have not. Obviously I pour a lot of thought and effort into each week's show and the editing and and all of that. Um but these little elements I really gave very little thought to. So I'm surprised there's not more people who are just like where did you get this crappy music cuz I kind of deserve that. Well, but but the, the, it doesn't it doesn't comment on what we do, and it puts no. down our rating. I I feel like that's that you should be able to to say, you know, what asshat did this and and strike it from your your record. I find it upsetting. If well, you don't like don't us, get up. Yeah, go ahead. If you don't like us, that's one thing. But the music that's that's ridiculous. Well, and of course, there's plenty of people who don't like us either. But um, <laughs> look, don't don't lose any sleep over this. It's just, you know, there's a name for this phenomenon on Twitter. Uh, it's reply guys, and it's just these guys who show up in seemingly every thread and just feel like they ought to be heard. And I don't think you can. They're not even worth psychoanalyzing. It's yeah. just so. That gives them too much attention, okay. you know. Um, so this is a person who, yes, was bothered by five seconds of music and felt the need to take a pound of flesh out of us with a one-star review as a result. Uh, the reason I had Mom talk about this is now we have to get this idiot off the front page of our iTunes. So I am enlisting the Pop Mom listeners, if you happen to listen via Apple Podcasts, if you could go on and leave us a five-star review, we would love you. Four stars, we wouldn't. I mean, I guess we'll be indifferent to you we'll if take you leave it. four oh, stars. Oh, no, we would take four No, stars. it's got to be five. It's five or nothing. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, the iTunes is like Uber. If you've got anything under five stars, you oh. are probably a murderer. Okay. We're not asking you to lie. We're just saying, if you love us five stars worth, can you go on the iTunes and leave us a, you know, write a quick review? Yeah. There's some really nice ones on here. The vast majority of them are, are they nice. They really are. They're very nice. They're really people that did take the time. And it's very appreciated because I, otherwise, I don't really have any idea what's going on out in the real world. 
I mean, as far as our podcast. That guy is not representative of our listeners. I want to give a little palate cleanser. Now, you don't know about this, but I got a direct message from a listener who I will identify as Annie S. on Twitter. She sent a message. Um, She says, I just wanted to write to you both to say thank you for Pop Mom. You both are hilarious and insightful, and honestly, your relationship is just very sweet. I have a two-year-old daughter, and I have this secret hope that maybe someday she might be calling me to talk about my opinions on pop culture, although I really hope she wouldn't record it. Now, isn't that nice? That's very sweet. It says, so keep doing what you are doing. Bonnie, you introduced me to Kim's Convenience, and for that I will be forever thankful. John, you most likely have the world's coolest mom besides mine. So Annie's Annie's compliment for me was really just another compliment for you, but I I don't resent that at all. No, that's very sweet. Yes. Uh, So Annie S., thank you so much. We love you too. Thank you for listening and for for writing. We love to hear from you. If you want to reach out to me or mom, you can contact us on Twitter. My Twitter is John Tatey, J-O-H-N-T-E-T-I. Mom's is Moxie N-H. Or send a message to the both of us via electric mail at popmom at ological.net. Now that's .net, popmom at ological.net. And uh, I'll pass that along along to mom. Okay. What should people write us about? Oh, boy. Anything interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like that? Yeah. Well it's done. Like I was ready. That's right. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. But the question is what we should talk about. Mom, I have a feeling you might have something in mind. Oh, I do. Something interesting. Something interesting. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. And hey, if you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, bump that reply guy off the front page. Let's go. Let's get those five-star troops in there. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too. Mm -hmm.